Hello and welcome to Grubbing in the Filth with me, Tom Sharp. In this episode we have some pretty literal Grubbing in the Filth as we visit the soil and our squirming mates, the earthworms. Earthworms are curious animals, living in a world which in many ways feels as distinct from our own as the ocean, if not more so. They don't cope well in our world, they squirm fruitlessly in our palms and struggle across pavements on rainy days. In fairness to the worm, I'd have a hell of a time if I was compelled to live within the soil. We cannot readily visit the world of the worm, cannot readily see where it thrives. Worms might even be tricky to perceive as dynamic creatures. They seem soft, pink and simple and vulnerable. We see them hoiked out of the soil by cheeky birds. You'd be forgiven for thinking of them as a thing within the soil. They seem featureless. Well, far from it. Like any animal, there's so much more to the earth than you might think. And beyond the fact they're interesting, they're absolutely relevant to us. The soil is the business of the earthworm. Quite simply, we rely upon them. Let's learn a bit more about earthworms then. I had the great pleasure to speak with Anna de la Vega, founder and managing director of the Urban Worm, a social enterprise raising the profile of worm farming and supporting people in harnessing the power of the humble earthworm. So today I'm joined by Anna de la Vega from the Urban Worm. Anna, how are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. Very nice to be speaking with you. Thank you for having me. Well, we just mentioned before we came on here, Anna de la Vega is a, a perfect name, a bit of nominal determinism from your point of view in terms of the earthworm, because that is roughly Anna of the Meadow, right? Yes, yes, that is correct. So, but, but very fitting to be producing <laughs> Precisely. Yes, I was born for the job obviously yes well you're 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 passionate i think it's fair to say about earthworms and i was wondering what has your personal professional relationship been with with our lovely wriggly friends well um i um am the director and founder of a social enterprise called the urban worm which promotes worm farming or otherwise known as vermiculture Vermi coming from the latin for um for worm mm. um to promote organic waste management and organic agriculture as worms are very efficient at managing waste, they can eat up to half their body weight a day and reju- reduce the volume back to 90%. So it's a great solution for urban environments okay. to deal with our waste ecologically. We, we want to chat about worms kind of specifically, but also have yes. a chance to talk about all your organisation, yeah. your social enterprise and things like that, and these initiatives. But I was wondering, in terms of how you personally view worms, do you consider yourself to sort of, do you see them with a practical and pragmatic relationship or would you consider yourself like a like a fan of worms in and of themselves? Both. Both. Okay. It's, um, it's a, a very, um, they, we, can, we can put them to practical action, but also um, there's a, a big spiritual connection with worms as well. So worms are the, the, the cleansers of the earth, whatever passes through their mouth becomes clean. So about, it's about regeneration and rebirth and wor- worms can clean dog waste so if we nice. take these learnings on you know whatever's happened in the past you know we can move on and forgive and move forward and every day is a new day so um there's a yes there's a there's a there's a deep spiritual connection with with earthworms as well as well That's as being beautiful. very very useful um to us well i want to talk at length and i know you've got a lot of things kind of that people listening it could help them with with how mm-hmm. they are gardening and with sort of their maybe their their impact on the world as well but before we kind of get onto that the worm as an animal right so to look at a worm 
uh, and I should say, I'm going to say worm repeated, I'm sure, but we're talking specifically about earthworms here, yes. aren't we? Yes, we are. Well, to look at an earthworm, it's it looks like a pink ridged tube. Yes. And to the naked eye and to the layperson, it's relatively Not featureless. Very yes. Well, no, it's it's kind of yeah, you know, lots of lots of things that creep and crawl upon the earth, your ants, yeah. your bees, and things. They they have well defined bodies, even if they are small and things. But a worm is it's got such a simple body plan. What are we missing when we You're look missing, at a worm? The, um, worms actually got five hearts, and um, they're not actually okay. individual organs. They are aortic arches, so to help them continuously pump that blood, obviously, and cleanse, cleanse the earth, whatever passes through their bodies, the body becomes clean. So, and they obviously they, they don't have eyes; they're very light sensitive. So, if you ever see an earthworm on on the pavement and around, always hmm. put it back in the um, put it back in the soil and and cover it up so they need to be in a moist environment otherwise they'll dry up so they're 80 percent water so they're um, and they're very strong they can move up to nine times their body weight and um charles darwin famously said uh, worms are more powerful than the african elephant and are more important to the economy than the cow so they're very very powerful in in, in many many ways and uh, another one for you, um, Cleopatra was actually the first uh, worm worshipper and she declared the earthworm sacred. And if anyone killed or exported an earthworm, it was a crime punishable by death. Okay. Um, yes. Would you um, endorse bringing that back? No, 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 I don't, okay. endorse, I don't endorse that. Um, um, but uh, now the, the, the Nile Valley is considered one of the most fertile tracts of land in, in the world. So right. um, she knew what she was talking about. So we've um, yes we've yes we've come a long way since then. The worms have been very much neglected, but and they're it, very powerful um, little creatures. And is it a simple case of the worm has a mouth that we can't really perceive at one end? A muscle, it's a muscle. Yep, and an anus, and uh, yep, all the way through, um, out comes worm manure, which is full of worms. Actually, um, microbes. So um, we use them for waste management, but they're actually eating the microorganisms that are breaking down the organic waste. So nice. they're cleaning it and out comes a very nutrient rich fertilizer and compost, which actually contains more microorganisms than humans on the planet. In a, in a, a tablespoon contains more microorganisms than humans on the planet. So um, there's a lot going on. Certainly. There's a lot going on there. Uh, and so, so what would the average day if you were an earthworm, what, yes. what does an average day look like for an earthworm? Well, I guess it would depend which kind of earthworm or what okay. kind of worms you're working with. So obviously the, the worms that I, um, I, I work with are epigeic earthworms. So they're surface-dwelling earthworms. There's three types of earthworms. So you've right. got your epigeic, um, endogeic, and then an and, and anisic. So anisic are a, a deep burrowing worm. So we don't use, um, they're garden worms, so we don't put garden worms in a worm farm. Right. Okay. Um, so, so they're deep, deep burrowing. So we're working with surface dwelling uh, earthworms, and you'll find these right. um, in your compost bin. They're red. So I specifically work with tiger worms. They're Acena fatida, and they're very good at managing waste. So you'll find them in manure piles in your compost bin, and they will just migrate and find their way to rotting organic waste. So, yeah, it really depends. You can have earthworms in a little bucket in the kitchen. They can be living in the city or obviously in healthy farmland. But the problem that we have now is um, with industrial agriculture, the use of um, synthetic 
agro agrochemicals right. are harming the life and killing the life in the soil. So um, probably happier earthworms in a in a fifth floor apartment, um, if I'm honest. Worm is a bit of a funny one, as words go. Like fly and bug, it's a word that we find strapped to a lot of desperate animals that are wormy in vibe, but not necessarily closely related to the animals that we're talking about today. Worm, in English, was a word that used to have mythological connotations, denoting dragons and sea serpents. But by early modern times, the word had shifted. To the early modern English speaker, a worm might refer to any number of things. I'll read to you a paraphrased extract from the 13th century encyclopedia, De Proprietatibus Rerum, or The Order of Things. Of worms there are many diverse kinds. Some beeth water worms, and some beeth land worms. Some enclothed as moths, and among worms, some beeth footless as adders and serpents, and some haveth many feet, and some haveth six feet, and some beeth enemies to mankind, as serpents and other venomous worms. Today, worm as a general and informal descriptor is attached to limbless, elongated animals. Silkworms, earthworms, hookworms, tapeworms, and others. Earthworms, the animals we're concerned with today, are annelid worms, or segmented worms. Annelids are soft-bodied invertebrate animals with an elongated body plan consisting of segments, those rings that the worm's body is made up of. Their movement and general traction is assisted by tiny bristles, which are tricky to perceive, though present upon the bodies of earthworms. Aside from the earthworms, the annelid group is home to familiar animals like leeches and lugworms. The annelid classification helps us recognise the evolutionary distance between the earthworms and other animals known informally as worms, such as the silkworm, which is a moth larva, or the worms that menace dogs, which are nematode worms, lacking segmented bodies. To return ever so briefly to the archaic word worm, for people from my part of the world, the northeast of England, there's a classic worm in the genre, and so at the end of this episode, I dare say I'll give you a little rendition. Anyway, back to our segmented mates, the earthworms. Earthworms are well known to us, and they're not mysterious creatures yeah. in the sense that we're all familiar with them, but they are mysterious in the sense that their lives take place entirely out of sight, yeah. and they have such simple body plans. And yeah. it's probably an animal that a lot of kind of our knowledge about them, or our understanding of them, rather, is quite folkloric. Yes, and, absolutely, yes. But I was wondering, in, are there any kind of myths about earthworms that you'd like to dispel? Um, probably the biggest one is that if you cut a worm in in half, um, right. it becomes two worms. Um, so that's simply not that's a big one. So, um, well, it's actually they can actually regenerate themselves. But if you the um, the band on an earthworm, um, call it as the the, the saddle or the clitellum, that's where the sexual organs are because worms are actually hermaphrodites, right. and the hearts um, are in that section as well. So if it gets too cut too close to the clitellum, the band, and that's when you know when an adult, when a worm is an adult as well and ready to sexually reproduce. So it will die. But if you snip off the end by accident with your fork in the garden, it can actually regenerate itself and grow back. So that's probably so where that's kind myth of a half from. a half myth. Worms don't like um, vibrations, especially if you um, if people have worm farms, if they've noticed. Um, when it rains, that they'll see worms up at the top around the rim. Mm -hmm. So yes, if you ever see if you ever see one, pick it up and and put it back. But that's okay. why and they um, and sometimes as well they lose their way and they don't always know what's good for them, which is like humans sometimes. Um, you see some you see some strays and they've they've taken the wrong path. I would encourage anyone 
like you said, just there's there's no harm that can come into anyone from picking up a worm and putting it no, in. No, absolutely in not. And they won't bite you. They don't have any teeth. Aww. What is life like for an earthworm then? Well, it won't surprise you to learn that worms' experience of the world is very different from our own. We can essentially envision them as muscular tubes wrapped around a digestive tract. They travel through the material they eat, creating tunnels, pulling themselves along by anchoring the front section of the body in place with those tiny hair-like structures and then contracting the body to pull the back end forward. Something I didn't realise is that variation in lifestyle for earthworms. Some species are living just under the surface of the soil, some species make deep vertical burrows and other species create horizontal branching tunnel networks. Others, the smallest among the earthworms, don't burrow at all, but instead live and feed within the leaf litter. Speaking of the leaf litter, a lot of enterprising earthworms that would otherwise live underground can be found within the leaf litter at night. They come up to the surface to drag leaves and other bits and bobs down into their tunnels for processing, I suppose. Their capacity to recycle, to process, is essentially unrivaled. I've heard them likened to ploughs, turning and aerating the earth. I've heard them likened to blenders, likened to the filter fields of the ocean, and all too often hailed as an unsung hero. So let's do some more singing. Well, you, you touched on the earthworm has that saddle on its body. Yes which is where the sexual organs are, yeah. are housed. And I, I talked to someone quite recently and he showed me a picture. His name's Frank Ashwood, a wonderful macro photographer. And he showed mm -hmm. me a photo of a little kind of lemon-shaped thing from the soil. A cocoon. So worms lay cocoons. So um, after a worm, although worms are hermaphrodites, they do need to mate with another worm. Right. So after they mate, it's about four days and then they'll pop out a cocoon. And then um, you've got a, um, about a month and then they will become little babies. And then you've got um, two months, 60 days to, um, to reach sexual maturation. So it's quite quick and they can um, reproduce very quickly. And um, yes, they can double their population easily in, in um, 60 days as well. So there is hope, you know, we can, we can feed the worms and be producing large quantities of very good quality soil to help us feed ourselves through... Um, through harnessing the, the humble earthworm. When they first lay cocoons, they start out um, a lemon, like a, a light lemon colour, and then right. when, they, when they're about to hatch, they go darker. So they're like a dark amber, orange. Well, you, you know, we, we know about this kind of soil quality and things like that. So maybe you could talk about how you have tried in your career to, to harness the earthworm as a force of positive change then. Yes, well, um, through the um, the urban worm, we provide education for schools, businesses, and institutions, and provide low tech solutions. I'm a big adv advocate of low tech technology mm. that we can control rather than having to pay for a big machine to get fixed. Um, so we've actually designed parts to convert wheelie bins into worm farms. Right. So to change people's perception of waste as well, you know, there is no waste in nature. So yes, we provide wheelie bins for, especially for, for urban environments, so people don't have space to compost and, and deal with their organic waste. I hate to use that word waste, I need to find a new word. Um, but yes, that's what that's what um, we do. That's what we're here to do, is to raise awareness of the the power and the benefits of, of earthworms, well, particularly composting worms, and then how we can use this fertilizer to help us grow, help us grow nutritionally rich food. You've got a big bin full of, we're not going to call it waste, but waste, you chuck some worms in. What's the actual process? 
Yep, so um, kitchen waste. So worms will eat anything that um, has been alive or passed through something that's alive, been alive. So um, all your kitchen waste, your tea bags, um, even cotton, mm-hmm. old cotton socks. Um, obviously, cotton's a natural, a natural material, paper. So um, you would add it in in layers. So you want to add um, a, a little bit rather okay. than a lot at once. So the worms will... In a, in a wheelie bin system, you'll add, add the food slowly so the worms will move up and eat their way through the waste. And then we have a little hatch at the bottom, just like um, a regular like a, hmm. a Dalek composting bin. And then you will remove the processed worm poo, otherwise known as vermicompost or um, worm castings. Remove that and it'll the waste will drop down. It's like a flow through continuous right. system. Or you can also do it in a bucket. now make donations to help offset the running costs of this podcast. If you're enjoying Grubbing the Filth and want to make a donation, like a benevolent Victorian, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash grubbingcast, or you can also write a brief message if you so wish. Any donations are truly appreciated. Thank you. And um, this process, um, vermicomposting, which is we, we, we call it, is um, very well developed around the world a lot more than it is here. So um, I'm a Winston Churchill fellow, and in um, 2016, I was funded to visit America and Cuba to visit um, all, tri- all, all, all sorts of worm farms. Even in, in the Philippines as well, I had some funding to go um, to the Philippines. Um, I think it was in 2018. <laughs> I've forgotten time yeah, with, the, have, with coronavirus. We've lost everything. Um, uh, and the actual government um, in the Philippines, you'll be probably surprised, yeah. <laughs> um, are actually they train um, um, they train uh, farmers how to farm worms, and then they buy the worm manure off them, and then they give right. it them back for free because they understand the value. So our Philippines has has, has been um, decimated really by um, the destruction of GM and the use of synthetic fertilizers. And this actually been the most um, murders of, in, of environmental act- activists right. in the Philippines more than any country in the world. So they really had it hard. But um, yeah, when I was there, that was something very uh, progressive um, and probably we wouldn't associate with the president at the time. But that is one thing that uh, they are doing. They are doing right. So in, 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 in India, there's over 200,000 um, worm farmers. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on mm. globally. Um, but the UK are very behind. So I've been very fortunate to visit um, lots of projects and bring back the inspiration to see that we can do that here too. It sounds like to me that the process of beginning to kind of use um, vermiculture as part of your gardening is quite a straightforward and, and can be quite a simple, like you said, low-tech process. But if people want to kind of yes. get on board with this process, how can they engage with, with what you're doing in order to, to kind of fast-track that? Um, well, we've actually had some funding from um, the National Lottery Reaching Communities Fund to gift a thousand packs of 100 grams of composting worms to anyone who makes a DIY worm farm. And then we will send um, people worms in the post. So we have over 100 packs left. Um, so the target was actually due, well, the project was due to go until 2023, but we've um, nearly hit our target well Um under well, that's about it's been a year. So yes, there's videos on the website. All you need is a bucket, or you can even do it in a bag for life. Right, okay. It can be on a, on a 
tiny, tiny budget. Um, earthworms just need ventilation, so they need good flow of oxygen and drainage. Foodways can be very wet and moist. It's important that we have, we have drainage so we don't drown the little worms. Earthworms leave us breathless, of course, and interestingly, they're themselves breathless. That is to say, they don't breathe in the same way we do, taking in air through the mouth and exchanging oxygen for carbon dioxide in the lungs. Earthworms, in fact, don't have lungs. Earthworms breathe through their skin. Within a mammal's lungs, a level of moisture is required to facilitate that exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide. For the worm, we can sort of imagine the same process, but placed on the surface of the body, which needs to be moist to allow that same breathing process, for want of a better term. On rainy days, you may well have seen earthworms come to the surface of the soil to wriggle about and generally imperil themselves on footpaths. This was long thought to be the worms escaping from the rain, which could drown them by leaking into their tunnels. But now, that's thought to probably not be true. They can survive submerged pretty happily, it turns out. So why then do they come out when it rains? When conditions are wet above ground, the earthworm, which, as I said, relies upon moisture to breathe, is better able to survive outside its burrow, and so rain presents a rare chance for the worm to cope with the conditions outside the soil, without risking dehydration. Some reckon that rainy days provide a chance for the worms to cover greater distances above the ground, migrating in search of pastures new. Others suppose that the worm might be misinterpreting the vibrations as a subterranean predator. Actively incorporating worms into your composting and stuff like that is a really positive thing, but presumably those worms that we discussed, the ones that you're not really dealing with, but the deep burrowing um, worms. Deep burrowing worms. Those are still doing a great deal of good in, in the garden, right? Is there any kind of, because obviously they're not creatures that we've introduced to our gardens, they just, they happen to be there. But is there any, I mean, I haven't got a garden, but I'm speaking in the broader sense. Is there any way that we can engage with them or is there any way we can garden that's more friendly to the earthworms or, or more, you know, we have to work with them to a degree. Absolutely. So, yes, absolutely. So um, I often get asked if um, people can buy earth, uh, earthworms off me to put <laughs> in their garden. I say, no, uh, that's not that's not how we want to do it. So we want to encourage them right. to come naturally. So by eliminating um, synthetic fertilisers, that's the, the first rule, because synthetic fertilisers are salts and they irritate the bodies that they irritate the skin of um, of worms so we want to completely eliminate the use of synthetic fertilizers and also um, no dig trying to not not disturb the life in the soil as much as we can so there's a there's a world going on down there there's the soil food where bacteria fungi protozoa there's a lot going on and every time we disturb that we're disturbing that communication network fun, you know, fungal hyphae we're breaking up the fungal hyphae so just try yeah. not to disturb your garden as much as you possibly can you know mulch adding organic matter um adding compost and um, food for food for the earthworms and the microbes so adding organic matter to the um garden will encourage earthworms to come naturally and eliminating chemicals. That's the first rule. We want to really um, be careful with what we put um, on our soil. And you see it as a, as a skin. If we sprayed fertilizer or chemicals on our on our face, nice. it would fall off. It, it wouldn't look very healthy. And that is the same um, the same with the soil. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same with well. This might be a good time for you to put the boot into the old plastic grass if you're interested. Yes. 
yes. I mean, um, yeah, it, 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 it looks tidy, I guess. Um, but it's not doing anything for um, for the soil. And the soil is a carbon sponge. Um, and according to doc, uh, Dr. Elaine Ingham, you know, we can we, we can turn this round in 10 to 15 years if we if we if we farm properly and we look after okay. our soil. So and also every time we dig and when we see tractors turning over the soil, we're releasing carbon dioxide into the environment. So the soil holds well, a healthy soil full of microorganisms is a sponge for carbon dioxide. So when we really start to look after our, our soil and our farmland, we can, we can, we can actually um, turn this ship around. So again, then, if people want to take advantage of your kind of giveaway or, or engage with the Urban Worm or any of your other projects, yes. what's the best way for people to do that? So if we're going to the, um, the Urban Worm website, the urbanworm.co.uk, um, we have a project, uh, the, the, there's a project bar, it says 1,000 worm farmers, and there's a um, selection of videos to show you how to make a worm farm from an old um, set of plastic drawers, a swing bin, um, a bucket, right. and a bag for life. And you, all you do is make, make a worm farm, Follow the instructions, upload a photograph of your worm farm onto onto the website through the application form, and we will send you worms in the post, and then you'll go on our on our worm map. So we've had um, nearly 10% of schools oh, have, um, have applied or involved. We've got a vet, because um, um, worms actually clean dog waste. So it's just a horrible, really? toxic okay. product. <laughs> yes, well, it obviously depends what you feed your dog. Um, but yes, there can be many pathogens in, in dog waste. Um, and I actually um, tested uh, waste that had been, not waste, resource that um, dog mm. from, a, from a dog uh, in a worm farm. And after six months, there was no oh, trace of bad bacteria. Thank you. Much. So if you're using worms to deal with your pet waste, just advisable not to put it on um, the, the, the finished worm product on edibles just in case there's some trace pathogens but it's perfectly fine for borders and and flowers but that's a um a, a real solution for for dealing with with our pets if you're enjoying grubbing in the filth come and wallow with me in the horrendous world of social media you can follow grubbing in the filth on instagram and twitter on instagram it's at grubbing in the filth and on twitter it's at gitf podcast you can also email grubbingthefilth at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, whether it's your own perspective, to share a story, a photo, or what have you. You mentioned earlier that one of the things that the Urban Worm is doing is, is going to schools. And that's an area that's kind of close to my heart in terms of that's where I work in things. And I always I always am interested in how children respond to to invertebrate life because obviously it's it's a, a very impressionable time of life and things, and it's when we form these opinions. How do you find kids do respond to the worms? They they love they love worms. They're fascinated. I've, I've I don't think I've ever had a child yet that hasn't um, fallen in love with an earthworm mm. once they understand. Need to explain to them um, they are yes they are the stewards of the earth and educating our children. Um, about the power of the earthworm is is vital, and then they will grow up and understand this. So it really needs to be introduced into a curriculum. Maybe I should um, start writing a an earthworm curriculum 
but they um, and it's great learning for it's great it's great learning for children. You know, it, it brings in geography, history, um, obviously science. Yeah, it's a it's a great learning tool. And obviously, without worms, um, we wouldn't we wouldn't understand history so much. Worms have preserved ancient right. monuments as they work through and uh, over the years. They're eating their way through organic waste, producing soil, preserve, preserving history. So they've played a vital role in our understanding of, of, of history, for sure. We owe them a debt of thanks. I'd, I'd like to, to ask you, before I let you go, and I thank you so much for speaking to me this morning, but the, you know, obviously we want to say thank you, but yes. if we could, you know, we have a magic wand and we could speak to the earthworm and learn some facet of their world or... or Maybe there's some kind of aspect of earthworm life that we don't fully understand that we'd like to know more about. What is it that, or is there anything that you'd like to know about earthworms? That is a good question. <laughs> oh, what would I like to know? I guess how they, um, yeah, I suppose um, if they're happy in the dog waste. <laughs> 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 is this okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> so if there, is there so, a preference? Because um, worms actually adapt to um, whatever um, waste they are provided with. So once they're born into that environment, they will thrive. So if we're, so for example, if I'm using worms to deal with dog waste, but they've but they've originally been fed kitchen waste, they have a bit of a shock. But when the eggs are hatched. In that in that environment, they adapt very quickly. Okay. So they're very adaptable. But I guess yeah, if they're, if they're okay with me um, using them um, to to deal with this, I guess it's a bit of a moral dilemma <laughs> um, using them to deal with our toxic waste and sending them to the forefront to deal with our our damage and sure. the, the yes the problems that we've created. Um, like with, for example, in India, they're um, they're being used to remediate the soil. It's called Fermi remediation that has been um, contaminated with DDTs. Right. Okay. Yes, and there's been lots of there's lots of research where they've they've cleaned contaminated land with very toxic chemicals. So yeah, so something as well. I'm kind of need to become at peace with, but um, obviously I'm you know I'm the humanity, and we mm. need we need to thrive in this world and. Yes, we're using them as a tool to do that also. But um, yes, I love them and want them to be happy at the same time. <laughs> Let's run with the notion for now, given how much good they do us and how much good they do the world. Yes. To employ the earthworm as best we can as a as a chap of the soil and, and, and to see what it can do. Well, that's a, a lovely note to end on. Thank you so much for speaking to me. And um, Oh, thank you for having me, Tom. It's been lovely. Lovely. I hope that people can go away and be gentle and kind with the earthworms that already are out there in the garden and maybe engage with some extra worms that could really help them absolutely. Kind of set the garden on the right track. Absolutely. Let's do this. Yes, let's. All power to the worm. All fists in the air for the worm. Come on, worms. Yes, absolutely. All right, All right thank you so much. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed discovering a little about worms. And I'd urge you, if it's relevant to you, to go to the Urban Worm where you can learn about how this wrigglesome gang can help you out and provide a service to you. For those of us without any kind of green space and who don't have any call to bring worms into our lives in a literal sense, hope you've enjoyed this chance to spare a thought for worms and their lives out of sight. Thinking of the invaluable service of worms and the way that the natural world 
chugs along rather beautifully, whether or not we're conscious of the endless, intertwined processes by which it does so. Featureless strings of flesh, earthworms are not. They are diverse, fascinating and important. So next time you see an earthworm in a place an earthworm oughtn't be, pick it up, brave the muscular squirming and pop it back somewhere safe. It's an empowering act if you're typically squeamish and considering the hard graft which earthworms perform, it's really the least we can do. Grubbing in the Filth was written and produced by me, Tom Sharp, with music by Will Hatton. And thanks again to Anna de la Vega. You can email grubbinginthefilth at gmail.com or find Grubbing in the Filth on Instagram at Grubbing in the Filth or Twitter at GITF Podcast. Thank you. Wish lads and had your gobs, I'll tell yous all an awful story. Wish lads and had your gobs, I'll tell yous about the. I'll tell you about the world